0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus,
1: amen. You cannot muster up faith. You cannot by your own reason or strength believe the Holy Spirit must call you, enlighten you, and sanctify you. The Holy Spirit must fill you with trust that God is merciful and forgives your sins. You cannot create that trust. You cannot even lay the groundwork for it. Really, we have to take one step further back because in order to trust God that he forgives your sins, You must first believe that you are a sinner. In order to receive life and salvation from God, you must first be dead. In order to hide yourself in His wings of mercy, you must first fear His punishment for sin. But you cannot muster any of that on your own. You cannot bring yourself to feel sorry for your sins. You cannot decide to fear God, since by nature we do not fear him and live our lives well enough doing just as we please. We're not helped by the world that we live in, which loves to imagine that if there is a God, he's the kind of God who winks at sin and excuses human weaknesses That kind of a God is comfortable for us. He lets us carry on. He's okay with us just as we are and does not require us to change. But his disinterest in our sin, his disinterest in punishing it, also means that he cannot forgive it. His lack of concern for the peril that we are in means that he cannot and will not rescue us a God who winks at sin and makes excuses for human weakness would never be moved by sin to sacrifice his son. That's not the God who speaks through the prophet Joel, the Lord, who just before our Old Testament lesson declares this warning. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. The day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? That warning is the reason for Ash Wednesday. That warning is the reason we bid farewell to the Alleluia's on Sunday. That warning is the reason you receive ashes and this terrible word. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. There is a way to misinterpret that word, which makes it seem less threatening. The foolish imagination of our world would have you believe that death is natural, that the circle of life is wholesome that there's something beautiful about returning to dust. But there is nothing beautiful about it. Death is the undoing of God's created goodness. Death is not just the end, but the destruction of life. And it is the wages of sin, the just punishment for all our treachery. When we put ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is not to remind you that life is short or that now and again life will make you feel like dirt. It is to remind you that you have a jealous God who hates sin. Not so that you cower before him as before a tyrant. Not so that you recoil like a frightened puppy. But so that you will turn to him and live So that you will hold all the more tightly to the promise of his mercy. That's what repentance looks like. Repentance is something that is gravely misunderstood. People generally understand that it is good to feel sorry for the wrong you've done. People generally understand that if you're truly sorry, you will try to do better. But we also tend to think that repentance is some sort of a transaction. That in exchange for our sorrow or our apology, we receive forgiveness. And so, the worse you feel for your sins, the more forgiveness you receive. And in order to receive forgiveness, you must produce a convincing apology that shows just how awful you feel. But that's not how repentance works. Forgiveness is not given in exchange for anything. It is not a transaction. It is a gift. It is not the reward for feeling sorry or a reduced sentence for shaping up. Repentance is not something that you do for God. Repentance is something God does to you so that he can show you his mercy. God knows that you won't want his mercy if you don't think you need it. He knows that your heart cannot love him as long as your treasure is here on earth. He knows that you cannot trust him if you do not also fear him. And so he shows you your sins, and he shows you his justice, and he lets echo throughout history those words that he spoke to Adam and Eve. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But that memory is not something that you can produce. It also is a gift. Sorrow over your sins is not something you can conjure. You can't make yourself feel bad. Even if you could, God would not be impressed. The Holy Spirit, who is the giver of all good gifts works repentance in your hearts by God's Word. When you hear the Scriptures, when you listen to your pastors preach, when you learn and study and pray God's Word, when you hear that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, God himself breaks your stony heart so that he can give you a new one. God himself gives you sorrow over your sin so that you'll let him forgive it. God himself threatens death. So you'll learn that there is no life apart from him. When we put ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is to impress upon you that now is the day of repentance. Now is the day for turning away from sin. Tomorrow is not promised in this world. Later this evening is not promised. What is promised is a day of darkness and gloom. So rend your hearts and not your garments. Rend them now. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When we put ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is to direct your attention to death but not just your death. It is to direct your attention to the death of Jesus, to the moment of God's grace and mercy, to the sight of his steadfast love, to the time and place where the wrath of God was poured out on his own son for your sake, out of love for you, to rescue you from death. When we put ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross, it is to proclaim to you that he who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God. Now is the day for turning to the Lord. Now is the favorable time because now is the day of salvation. Be reconciled to God now. In our Old Testament lesson, Joel asks this awful question. Who knows whether God will not turn and relent. Who knows whether he will stay the judgment that justly falls on sinners? Who knows? And so he calls for a fast, for weeping and for mourning. Who knows whether God will not turn and relent? Today we call for a fast as well. But it is not because we do not know. We call for a fast because we do know, because God has looked on us with favor. We call for a fast because, having received mercy by the wounds of Jesus, we know that it is all a gift repentance and faith, sorrow over your sin, and trust in God. We call for a fast and pray that God would continue to gather, enlighten, and sanctify us that he would continue to create in us new and contrite hearts, so that lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, we may receive from him full pardon and forgiveness. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.